chapter six part one of the last ditch by violet hunt this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine chapter six from the lady arles lochroyan it is the fourth of july the very anniversary of the day we used to go to tea at your embassy dear and instead of town with the dear old season staggering to a close and people all trying to squeeze things in and see all their friends once more before the autumn break-up here we are living in comparative peace and quiet seven miles from a post-town fifteen from a railway station out of it all so early for the first time since venice was introduced i feel quite strange i can tell you venice is of us all seemingly least affected by what she is missing the child has a social flair that doesn't go with her poetizing and is a good sign she realized even more than i did that the season was falling off so piteously and that social events and junketings as at present constituted were not worth a single moonlight evening in the country alone with the nightingales so she said not that we hear them here they are over we none of us remembered that they leave off singing finally in may with the cuckoo but nightingales are fearfully overrated birds venice says and their cry is not beautiful more like a newborn babe than anything else this place is real country not a suburban annex like even dear beardmore this is neither more nor less than the scottish border famed in song and history i am full of it having had to get it all up so as to give mr biss what he has asked me for an article on the dear old-fashioned out-of-the-way lore that i have looked up even in these few days i have covered a lot of ground in my search of old-world data here just across the border we do get the best of both countries we can motor into england in a couple of hours any time we can lunch with the warmingtons at bamborough and next day in edinburgh with the skinwigs the men can have their golf in england while the women can go over and have tea at st abb's head such a lot of gulls my dear you can't see the rock for them that is going into my article the difficulty is that it isn't a nice tea scotland the land of cakes and which is just missed by my being born in newcastle being my native country doesn't seem to shine in local entertaining one hears so much of scones and baps and girdle cakes but it is mostly stale currant bun and very very rocky cakes but venice bless her is still pleased even after the eleventh day i believe i have succeeded for once in giving her a holiday such as she likes lochroyan is on the whole up to the agent's circular we are able to put up our twenty guests thirty when it comes to girls who like to sleep three in a bed venice can curl up anywhere she says but when it comes to the point she likes room to kick like other people venice has got her miney as she calls it here ellen reveille and mary scrimger the delalons girl and the two unmarried darcy colts as bertie corf calls them the darcys are a wild lot but they all go off when the time comes in the most orderly way and that little witch zoe courteau venice took such a fancy to at the cressys why bessie cressy had her there i can't think for she isn't quite it you know but amusing and obliging plays ragtime tunes and fox-trots and tells our fortunes by our hands or the cards in the evenings after dinner she is one of the jongleurs in venice's court of love which is the great excitement here my girl got the idea of being president of a court of love like the countess of champagne 
and having a miney of maidens whom she would train up to sew and embroider and sing and dance as the great feudal dames did quite two years ago we went to provence all of us to visit the ancestral home of the race the very town whence the saint remy's sprang named by our very name it made a great impression on her and was a very successful holiday altogether there is that old ruined castle of romanille that the eldest son takes his title from nestling still in the quiet shade of the little Alpille, though the guide-books hardly mention it and the people round about don't know much more except that it is still called chateau de Mor. courts of love actually venice says were held there and she furnished me with all sorts of tips for my article i entitled that glenham the old name of the town my daughter is excessively annoyed that we christened her venice instead of mahot mayence or maud even her name of venice being merely the result of hackneyed sentiment about the city of the lagoons where i spent my honeymoon i suppose you know that barral kenford is named after an ancestor of ours from those parts barral de beau who sold the city of le beau such a quaint place to charles of anjou since when it has been a ruin morality was different in those days poor romanille if he had lived would never have ceded property or privilege to any invader qui que ce soit he would have died in the last ditch sooner than abrogate his birthright but i suppose barral de beau was a freebooter and had not those fine sentiments we were all absolutely non-altruistic perfect beasts in the old days audley says and even now if we get right up against it there's a long poem by william morris too that venice gets inspiration from for these dressings up and queer costumes that were giving us a name in the countryside till i put a stop to it and forbade them to go beyond the confines of the house and grounds i don't mind in the evenings when we are alone with ourselves rowley dean is very clever at designing them and then the girls in berrymore chiefly berrymore make them up out of coloured calicoes from the village shop and whalebones that they pick my corsets to pieces for those monstrous head-dresses called hennins have to be propped up the hateful things tickle sir james's bald crown and keep getting mixed up with the chandeliers and they cover all the hair i utterly refuse to wear a hennin and hide my one beauty but the boys are inclined to fall in with venice's humour for the girls are all pretty and they get a lot of flirtation in on the excuse that it is medieval manners venice has assigned to each maiden her special knight who has to make it his business to go with his lady to feed the swans and sit with her in what they call the carven boat at noon a rotten old tub that lives on the swan's pond and wants a coat of paint badly i should like better to see the girls in honest serviceable coats and skirts instead of all this medieval flummery but even comic clothes can't prevent the boys from looking the fine young fellows they are so full of life and go and so nice with the girls and not taking advantage of all this liberty to be horrid they call young george lysons big sir gervais and so he is most chivalrous and there is a miles and a giles and a well i cannot remember all these fancy names of venice's choosing and ilsa is taking a nice rest from her dreary necessary millionaires as she calls them and is just simply having a good time with the boys she never in town has leisure to attend to them they represent a waste of time and she just lets them be round her without giving them the slightest attention but we are here for pleasure not business and the boys adore ilsa they always do admire a large pink woman with yellow hair ethel is happy too 
messing about the bedrooms and generally supervising people's comfort i call her groom of the stole and still-room maid combined i have promised her that once when we have settled down a little she shall go and stay with her people at perth for as long as she cares to stop away she won't care to stop long that is unless i give lucy a holiday at the same time and i shan't do that for i am lost without ethel i am able to allow venice far more freedom both here and in town because as long as ethel accompanies her i have no fear though she keeps starting new queer things to do and queer places she wants to go to one after another i remember once she was wild to make the acquaintance of a certain lady authoress of whom one hears very little good a brilliant creature as they all do pretend to be when they are wild it is the excuse their friends make for them people say oh she is without the moral sense a law unto herself no need to be good for she is so clever well venice let herself be introduced and accepted this lady's urgent invitation to have tea with her i had to allow it on condition ethel went too ethel rather liked poor miss wagg who had a sweet manner and looked so quiet the worst ones do miss wagg was especially polite to ethel but i'm sure she objected to her presence there for it effectually prevented her from grappling venice to herself as she meant to do and the friendship has languished the wag has evidently realized that it was no good it was another story with the Leahys. the first six times ethel went with venice to tea and lunch and to four meetings on these occasions miss Leahy completely got over my henchwoman making much of her and seeming quite as pleased to see the governess as the mistress ethel got quite on her side and announced to me that though she herself enjoyed going to the Leahys, i could let venice go alone for they were perfectly all right and could do her no harm and possibly a great deal of good she says they are clever enough not to appear to kowtow to her but like her for herself alone and that is what pleases venice by way of a change you can't get away from the fact that with people of that kind association with rank is an asset the Leahys wouldn't be human if they didn't appreciate the advantage of a connection however slight with the daughter of one of the oldest reigning families in great britain people who have supplied wives to heirs apparent and counted kings among their ancestry and to have her sitting at their table just like one of themselves i expect they all sit round it in the dining-room with a cottage loaf and a pat of butter like socialists and though venice knows quite well what is due to her and brooks no infringements of her privileges she is almost too simple and modest in manner audley always says that my two daughters absence of manner is something wonderful and very beautiful i of course am a simple old off-hand thing like a market woman and say just what comes into my head and act as it occurs to me to act at the moment that he says in its way is equally aristocratic lily st just is coming and bringing horace they do say he married her for her money and gave her his title in exchange he is a great dancer but that's not much good for venice who doesn't dance well as you know it is one of the griefs of my life she is too tall and too long in the back and i have noticed although i am afraid to say it that she turns in her feet in rather an ungraceful way now ilsa danced and dances like a fairy all sorts of steps though she is lazy and absolutely refuses to perform unless you or a man go down on your knees to ask her my girls don't get their want of energy from me who have quicksilver in my veins but from their father's side the lazy dolce far niente provencal blood ilsa is a true meridionale audley who is good at making out these things says 
there is on the other hand roman blood in venice she is distinctly of the arlesienne type clear-cut features a soupçon of a moustache and big eyes and a whiteness that makes people call her the white snowdrop but which she says herself is anemia and that's where she gets her faculty for stringing verses she insisted on lucy's teaching her latin to help her with it and knows quite a lot of greek another useless dead language lady jane grey was learned in the same way i hear much use it was to her except to get her head cut off the only discontented person here is anatole who has already asked for a weekend in town he made all sorts of difficulties about coming and only seemed a little more reconciled to the place when he heard that lily st just was coming after all bringing her maid indeed he spoke of it before we left town engineered it all in fact his passion for ephrosyne is the talk of the servants hall they're all a little jealous ephrosyne keeps him good-tempered if lily had any idea that she is here as a pendant to ephrosyne she isn't much of an acquisition just now the girls say so languid and introspective horace is a failure she complains and is so fidgety he makes her ill ill she is ill of forty thousand a year and too soft a bed and a car too well hung and too much spoon meat and ease generally and she has refused to bring her famous car even though we should have to supply the petrol but she is so hopelessly stingy and always makes me pay her taxis in town when the said car is out of order i don't believe i should have asked her at all except for anatole's sake by the way laura don't mention anatole in any of your letters because arles made me definitely dismiss him before we came here i've got him but under the rose i don't feel a bit ashamed of deceiving arles i had to think of venice i simply couldn't have the poor child's summer spoilt for the sake of an old man's whim i was sitting at my escritoire in the morning-room at home and poor old arles was standing near me shaking all over with the effort of putting his foot down he so seldom does i fiddled with a piece of blotting paper and calmly told him without raising my eyes that i had got a new cook already that anatole had only that morning told me of his wish to leave me i added with emphasis she is a good plain cook i got her from the lyceum club arles still stood firm and you will get your nice loin chop that you are always asking for but venice will starve as arles dines always in his room and rarely lunches with us we have only got to keep the lunches simple that will be all right here for anatole lets the kitchen-maid help a good deal so as to get his freedom in the middle of the day he goes pretty regularly into peebles and berwick to cinema anatole adores cinemas and brings back all the latest news the papers do come here so irregularly i don't believe arles would recognize anatole if he were to meet him going out with his billycock stuffed hard down over his black curls trying to look english as a compliment to us the dear man goes pretty far afield in search of amusements he says the people's cinema palls after a time and i don't see why i should thwart such a good servant he asked me quite civilly the other day if i would mind his going up to london for a day and a night on business and he was very good thinking of us even went away on his pleasure he brought us back some really excellent fish we are quite close to numberless fishing villages and yet we are glad to get fish from london isn't it a joke his temper is much improved too i put that down to the presence of lily's maid so as i said before i think we shall have a merry time if only arles will settle down he goes about the house with his hands behind his back as he used to when we were at sophia the year monsieur stambulov was murdered he was awfully shaken i remember 
when mrs s called bringing the six fingers of her husband that were found in the gutter i never saw them his fixed idea is the balkan imbroglio from which he says all the difficulties of europe have risen and will arise to hear him one would think of the balkans as a kind of stock-pot kept on the fire in which trouble is continually brewing yet it is more than a fortnight since the murder of the archduke from which arles expected so much and nothing so far has happened there are poor parleys going on between the ministries of austria and serbia i believe but what does that come to as usual they will end in a compromise or nothing the poor man was cruelly murdered and there it is the only result of it will be to distress his poor old father and may perhaps kill him and then as people say europe may flare up all this seething of the pot is sure to bring on something some day but not in our time i do hope i shall hope to get venice's affairs settled first end of chapter six part one recording by expatriate in bangor maine